Sean is a fresh of breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love each and it. Most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? It kind of looks like a football, actually. Thank you for that. Stitching, you got it. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, Stay focused. Um, Work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It builds a problem. It builds a problem. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Witty Nation, Witty City, heck, Witty World. Welcome to episode 132 of the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast, the number one self-rated Buffalo sports podcast covering the Bills, Sabres Entertainment, everything in between, and as always, part of the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Go follow us on Twitter at Woody Sports 716 and make sure you check out everything Built in Buffalo is giving you every single day the best Bills content out there YouTube Facebook at Built in Buffalo underscore we are your hosts of course I am Matt he is Tony Tony what's going on shout out to the people of Witty City where the wit is not funny but it's smooth as a titty oh what a night for this record yeah 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 Matt good evening to you it's a witty it's, world, it's, and we're just living in it. You know, at one point, I feel like Buffalo was the the paradise city. Turn of the twentieth century? Are you yeah. alluding to? Yeah. The when times were good. When times were good, presidents were getting assassinated in our city. Ships were the main <laughs> oh. vehicle of transport. Ships? You mean like boats on the Erie Canal? That's what I mean. That's what I mean by ships. Oh, wow. Well, uh, I got yes, they were the ships of their time. They certainly were ships shipping, so that makes sense. Shipping ships. That was a peak for that fair city, uh, for uh, an all-America city, Buffalo. An all-America city, a paradise city, if you will. Tony, we had a week off. What have you been up to? Mm. How was your 4th of July? How was the beer tent? I did go to a beer tent. I made one appearance in it. Oh, no, I made two appearances in a beer tent. Uh, The second and the third, they were both beer tents. The third was incredibly crowded. We left early and went to instead patronize some local businesses near said beer tent and we we had a nice time celebrating our local business do you think other cities have like an infatuation with beer tents like buffalo does well as someone who lives in another city i can confidently say no it feels like it's only a buffalo thing yeah i mean to not go too tangential conversation that's often had is rochester western new york and the ideal behind the arguments that I subscribe to is that uh, no, it's because Buffalo is the last Midwestern Rust Belt city and Rochester is the first Northeastern city. And the cultures are very different. Yeah. Well, it's not really history. It's just ideas. It's just cultural analysis here. That's good uh, for cultural um, analysis. You know what else? I I don't think they are food and religion and common language and and currency and history. The greatest game (laughs) ever invented. I got it. Did you play any Strike I got ball? it at the beer tent? Oh, I got it. No, I, it's been some years since I even have had the opportunity to play I got it. But I was somewhere recently where there was I got it, but I did not play. We What's love the- I got it. Because just like the beer tent, I feel like the I got it carnival only game. <laughs> like I, I've never seen it anywhere outside of a carnival, but it is a what is it like a five by five square that is yeah, it's bingo. behind a 
pane of glass. It's it's bingo, but you're tossing the balls and they're landing in the squares and you got to get five in a row, right? And you get a finite amount of balls. I don't know if it's like 20 or something. And the first one to get it wins. And you yell, I got it. And it's a joyous time. It's a great game. I don't know why it's only subjugated to the carnival scene. It should Man, be a worldwide phenomenon. You. It should be in an Olympic sport at this point. Yeah. That I would say is true. If I may fact check you, Matthew, there is no finite amount of balls. You throw those balls until there is a winner in the game. Oh, okay. I have gone up to after like 20 balls. Oh my gosh. That would be insanely high amount of balls to have thrown before there is a winner. Yeah. That's like the longest game I got. I've ever heard of in my life. What's the best. uh, I got a prize you've ever gotten in your career. I don't even know if I've ever won it. And I got it. Oh my goodness. I never got it. I think it's so hard. 20 balls. Yeah. If you won it, I got it. Matt, we're all winners that I got it. If you get the prize that you actually want, which is stealing some of the bouncy balls. <laughs> that is the ultimate prize. <laughs> That's the ultimate prize. And the ultimate thrill. Oh, yes. Not to sound klepto, like there. there's kleptomania is sweeping through here, but is kleptomania yes. the... Am I correct in saying that? Is that what it's called? When it comes to carnival games, I think that's the only phrase to use. Yeah, okay, yes, yes, yeah. Okay. Kleptomaniacs are the only ones that play these carnival games. <laughs> I was saying so, uh, and the carnies this, themselves. Listeners, this is what you get. It's the off-season. This is what you get. <laughs> Just us on wild tangents about seasonal carnival but games. I, got it. I would say that my childhood bedroom was... Little bouncy balls. Forty percent. I no. Forty percent. I got it. Prizes because oh, wow. a common I got it prize was like a sports poster in a frame, and it'd yeah. be like a random sports poster. Like and by random sports poster, sports poster, I mean a non-Buffalo athlete, like a Scotty Pippen poster in a frame doing a slam dunking or something like that. It'd be, it would be like Albert or like Bell. Oh, oh yeah. Oh man. Yes, one really one, random. Because yeah. that gets really random with that. Yes. Or like someone on the original Charlotte Hornets was a big right. one. I feel like when Alonzo we were, Morgan. I feel like when we were young, there was like an expectation somehow that no matter what NBA team you think you liked, your second favorite team was expected to be the Charlotte Hornets. Well, you know why, Tony? Because the, the starter color jacket scheme? effect. Yes, the starter yeah, jacket. Yeah, effect. Their color is. scheme was yes. great. I feel like every kid, whether you were living in Charlotte or not, whether you were a Hornets fan or not, you owned a starter winter jacket of the Charlotte Hornets with the big yes, front I pocket. Agree. Mm-hmm. That was like I the cool look. Thanks, white man. Can't jump for that. Like retro, bold color mm-hmm. style. Absolutely. And then every, amazing, then every NBA team changed to those colors. Like the yeah, Pistons right. for some reason. And all of a sudden are those colors. <laughs> a massively historic franchise just becomes those colors. Just to sell some starter jackets themselves. Yeah. Or we're not wearing winter starter jackets in the summer, Tony. But we are inside we're watching a lot of tv last episode we talked about the legacy of brandon bean and sean mcdermott i thought we would bring those ideas together the idea of sitting around watching a lot of tv maybe a little bit of nostalgia with some carnival games i got it and the legacy of a bills coach into our draft season this week hashtag draft sem we only have two more this is our second our penultimate second to last draft season of the year before training camp kicks off. Then we'll obviously move into training camp talk. But Tony, I thought for this draft season, if you want to classify this episode, it's the episode of lists. 
Buffalo News comes out with the <laughs> book of lists every year of every company in the area. This is the episode of lists. We're like BuzzFeed light this episode. We're just doing top threes and lists and drafts. And so for this draft season, our penultimate draft season of 2023, I thought of a mashup, an amalgamation of ideas, the cartoon characters who would be the best fit for to be Bill's coach. This could be cartoon characters of present family guy, those kind of new school adult cartoons or of past nostalgia, your Nickelodeon cartoons, Rugrats, things like that. So who do you think would be the best cartoon character to take over as Bill's coach if Sean McDermott retires or gets fired or whatever? Tony, would you like me to do the honors? Uh, yes, I do want you to do the honors. I will do the honors for my number one pick for the cartoon character that I would love to have be the Bills coach. Tony, when you think of a head coach of the NFL, you want a coach that above everything else, above every ability, skill, whatever, the thing you want the most is leadership ability. An individual okay. to lead a group to victory at all costs, maybe possibly sacrificing himself for the greater good. And, oh. and Tony and listeners... Tell me who has more leadership than the leader of the Autobots himself, Optimus Prime. Wow. Optimus Prime what is my number strong, one pick. The I, Uber leader. I mean, I can't argue. Leader. I can picture him on the sidelines. And he's got the color scheme. He's got the color scheme already. Let's just read his Wikipedia bio real quick. He's depicted okay. as having strong moral character, excellent leadership, sound decision-making skills, and possesses brilliant tactical ability if that doesn't star scream super bowl winning coach then nothing ever will be good enough for this fan base just the idea i'm in the stadium i'm casually looking at the sidelines i see optimus prime standing there i'm getting pretty jonesed up right marv's pregame speeches wouldn't hold a candle to optimus prime's monologue no. leadership pregame pump up motivational literally talks. like it would have you literally be like, you're in the most magnanimous moment of your life. Right. Like it's all, it's all moment. that like, yeah. Like every halftime speech would have so, so much weight would have like varsity blues esque weight on it. You worry about the Bengals beating the bills because the bills weren't motivated. They weren't up. They were tired physically, mentally. That's not going to happen with an Optimus prime as coach. That's not going to happen with an Optimus prime pregame speech. Let me tell you that because those players would be pumped up regardless of how much their body ached, how much mentally they were just spent. If Optimus Prime is speaking to me, I'm going in a battle and I am giving it a million percent. Plus, you mentioned right. the bonus content you get with Optimus Prime. You get the color scheme already in place. Mm -hmm. so no need to repaint. No need to spend money redesigning or recoloring Optimus Prime. Plus, he can turn into an automobile. And guess what that's good for? Buffalo winters. The UPS Players get stuck in a blizzard. <laughs> Players get stuck in a blizzard. Step aside, Squirrel Winter. We got a goddamn alien transforming robot to get Josh Allen and the players mm -hmm. to the facility to safety. We don't need you, Squirrel Winter. We got Optimus Prime. Here, I was going to say that it was the the UPS game ball delivery is taken care of. Remember that promotion? Good. One, that one less thing. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. I have a U fake fun. UPS truck on the field all the time. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. You're saying the mini UPS truck? It was actually a mini UPS truck. That's what truck. I'm saying. It was not real. It was not on the road. 
How dare you, sir? Uh, who am I to judge? Who are you to judge? Who am I to judge or what's <laughs> what's real and what's not? Just like this draft. I'm, that's right. <laughs> As we true. draft cartoon characters. So, Tony, that is my number one pick. Optimus Prime, the ultimate leader. Tony, who are you going with for your number one pick? For my number one pick, you think leadership is the number one trait that you're looking for in a coach. But I've known a lot of great leaders that have tried to lead their people right into the fires of hell, right into a bad situation and have left the world result. What you need is a good football mind. You need the knowledge. You need the head on your shoulders that is all football. And Matt, you know as well as I do, there is no one in the cartoon realm whose head on their shoulders is all football more so than Arnold himself. His head was, is a football. He was on my list. <laughs> yep, of course. I was afraid you were going to take him. Yeah. Then when you said leadership, I'm like, oh, Arnold is safe. So good. I think I'm getting good <laughs> first round value here. He's got football on his head because his head is shaped as a football. He is football head, according to Helga. That's the kind of mind I need leading my team. Just imagine the plays that are coming out of him. The chess game it's already on his mind. The chess game became four. It went from being a two D chess game to a four D chess game with Arnold at the helm. I mean, you're right. The man, the kid, whatever, has a football for a head. I mean, if that doesn't command respect in the locker room, I don't know what does. <laughs> I don't know what does. He he is football. He is Queens Boulevard. He is one Bill Stride. Queens Boulevard. I could just see Arnold walking into the Bills locker room with his football head and being like, I am one Bills Drive. And then just yep, I am. commanding the respect of the entire locker room. I am one Bills Drive. I am playoff caliber. I was born right. playoff caliber. Right, right. Great first pick. He was on my list. He was probably going to be my next pick. So great steal there. A couple of things I noted about Arnold too. He's probably a great recruiter. Probably True. a great like per- people person of a coach getting along with his players because his best friend Gerald is always wearing some kind of sports shirt. So you know Arnold's always hanging around athletes. That's He's a good point. The he gets a, they made that stickball field in the lot in the empty lot. That's right. That takes some persistence, some creativity. I like that as well. Mm-hmm. One negative that I'll give you that okay. I'll, I'd like you to consider might not be a good game manager. He's always oblivious okay. to Helga liking him. Hmm. He can't read the signs. He can't read the, the hints. So I don't know in game if he's going to have a feel for making adjustments and figuring things out in the moment. That's the, the only thing I worry about. It's the subtle things. Right. Hmm. A fair point, but I think he he learns and he grows. I'm picturing this as like Arnold as an adult. Yes, learns and he grows, just like Sean McDermott. That's true. Just like we hope with Ken Dorsey. Tablet thrower Dorsey. He learns, tablet grows. Thrower, tablet thrower what Dorsey. Uh-huh. Like he'll always be known for that, right? That's like his so. child acting moment. Like the guy who plays Urkel will always be known for Urkel. Ken Dorsey will always be known for throwing the tablet, right? Really? I don't know. I never, I, I like had forgotten all about it until you just said it. Really? Anytime I mention his name, it's all I can picture. It's just such a funny moment. And then the I other coach like, like blocking the camera. It's... I think it's up to him. Like it, he won't always be known for that if he accomplishes something. Sure. If he lays it, if he's, I shouldn't say lays another fart this season. Cause like last season was probably okay. But yeah, if he ends up being a dud, that's a good, good word for it. Then, uh, then that is all he will be known for. He is the tablet thrower. Tablet thrower Dorsey. 
Uh, great first pick, Arnold from Hey Arnold, of course. Like I said, it was going to be my number two pick, so now I got to pivot a little here. And I think I have to go with a classic. This is your Jimmy Johnson, your Bill Parcells, your Bill Belichick. Just, this is the personality that is going to be the mastermind, is always going to be three steps ahead, is always going to be kind of the, the status quo of great coaching. And I'm going to go with one of the OG cartoons, and at least in my life, Bugs Bunny. Oh, okay. You yeah. made me nervous. I thought I you was, were taking my pick. I was going to do a, a Ryan Brothers-like package deal and go Bugs Bunny Roadrunner because they're both in the Warner Brothers family, but I'll just go Bugs Bunny because they're two very similar characters who do very similar things. But let's look at the facts here. Bugs Bunny always getting the upper hand, dare I say, thwarting his enemies from whatever they're doing. In this case, Elmer Fudd, always trying to catch that rabbit. But he's always one step ahead of Elmer Fudd or two steps ahead of Elmer Fudd. Elmer Fudd thinks he has the upper hand, just like I want opposing coaches to think they have the upper hand on the Bills. And then our coach, in this case, Bugs Bunny, always coming up with new ways to try and win and come out victorious, which means Mm -hmm. Bugs Bunny as a coach is a great planner, a great strategist, and he's always going to be playing chess while others are playing checkers. He always is. A lot of new techniques he'd be able to get in there. You'd be able to integrate into the game. I I completely agree. I feel like he's new techniques. I feel like he'd almost be like the Sean McVay of coaching. Just this fresh look at how the game is played and how to execute an offense. Like I feel like Bugs Bunny would have a great mindset like that of just coming up with fresh new things to implement into the game of football and, and really like kind of turn it on its head, if you will. So yeah, Bugs Bunny crossed my mind. Uh, when I was trying to come up with potential players in here. The thing that attracted me to Bugs Bunny is just that if memory serves, he has head coach experience. Was he not sort of a player coach in Space Jam? He kind of was. Yeah, I'd say so. He recruited the team. He was kind of the pseudo leader of the the Toon Squad. Yes. Was there another character assuming a coaching role in there? Not to say picks, but I don't think so. I think like I Daffy Duck so was like the coach coach, but he was there for comedic relief. We all know that. Come on. Oh, okay. And I thought, and like Tweety was kind of a strength and conditioning coach, right? But yeah, I mean, that kind of, yeah, I mean, playing that role, a James Patrick type role, a player coach role, the, the natural progression is, is to join the true coaching ranks. I think so Bugs, Bugs Bunny would be a pick. great coach. Tony, your number two pick. Now, we had never specified that this was head coach. So I still don't, no. I was thinking, no, okay, so this is not necessarily head coach. But I would That's like to hire, as an aforementioned strength and conditioning coach, who better with the knowledge of nutrition, with the knowledge of strength, with the knowledge of physiology, Popeye needs to be on this staff. <laughs> I know Sean McDermott, Sean McDermott comes in here with his organic ketchup. Okay. We know that it's not even necessary because all you need is a good old can of spinach. That's right. And that'll just take care of every every ailment this team has. You think Ed Oliver's underperforming? Get him some spinach. That's real life. <laughs> if Popeye That's was on this staff, this could have been taken care of already. Was was Popeye the the original like steroid user? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean I think there's some subliminal uh, kind of messaging in there of like, well, it's like you don't really have to do anything, but you can be a sexual predator. All you need to get away with it is some spinach and or some steroids. 
you know, it's an allegory. Right. <laughs> right. And the no, message is there. I mean, it's pretty clear. Was it Deuce Gruden, John Gruden's son, who was like small head, huge mu- muscles, probably stood like five foot five. <laughs> he kind of had a, I don't a know. Pop, I've never a seen this person. vibe to him. Oh, Popeye look vibes. up Deuce Gruden <laughs> or Ed Hockley. All right, I will. Ed Pipes Hockley. Ed Hockley. Hockley has, has Popeye vibes. Deuce Gruden. Now, Deuce Gruden looks like... Um, <laughs> I'm just laughing tail- at this man. <laughs> Jersey at the Bills tailgate. Some of the tailgates will have uh, like that kickboxing dummy with a generic tan yes. kickboxing dummy. Like that's what yes, Deuce Gruden yes. looks like. <laughs> yes, that is what he looks like. Especially this one, that, this one picture. I don't, are you looking yeah. at pictures of him right now? No, no, I've seen oh, him okay. enough. I don't need to Google. Him. All right, yeah, that's what he looks like. Oh yeah, okay. So he's like a power lifter and a yeah. and a coach. <laughs> it's it's uncanny resemblance. Well, okay, so this actually brings up a bigger question. What player is the Bills' number one enemy? Is it Mahomes? So here's what I'm, here's what how I got there. Subtract so ten years. Let's say you were going to have that at training camp, but like for the fans, they're just like right. beat up on, you know, like it was the car at our high school uh, homecoming. Mm-hmm. But it was that, like, right. and so you know, ten years ago you would have like a Tom Brady. So who would it be now if you're going to have like a like a beat up doll jersey? What do you think it'd be that's Mahomes? Great. Great question. Yes. I I think it would be Mahomes, right? I mean, I feel like it was always someone who, yes, we hated, but deep inside we were jealous of because of their success. Right. So, of course, like Tom Brady fits that. We hated him because he, yeah. he won and he won Super right. Bowls and we wanted to be on that side. So I think it would be Mahomes because he is the one who is winning and we're not. Right. I don't know who else it would be, honestly. I don't think we have any like big time enemies. Although Deion Dawkins was on Colin Coward's show this week and a lot of trash talking with Christian Wilkins from the Miami Dolphins. Old, oh, interesting. Old, okay. Old ball grabber himself, Christian Wilkins. Yeah. And I don't mean footballs. We, we know, know you don't mean footballs. We know. We know. Bill's Mafia. We know. <laughs> Listeners we all know. know. I feel like it would like rotate like Jalen Ramsey could probably fit there because he trash talked Josh when he was on the Jaguars and then he trash talked Diggs when he was on the Rams and it's not like Tom Brady it's very cut and dry right it's either someone who we're jealous of because they're winning and we're not a la Mahomes or someone who trash talks our players in our city or puts down our players in our city those are Mm -hmm. the only two categories we can choose from oh yeah that's true yeah someone who's putting it down which Tom Brady also did. He did. He did. So that's a good question, though. Yeah, he's I, really I just it, the worst. Be the front runner. I think it would still be Tom Brady, to be honest with you. I think you'd be better off be. just sticking a Tom Brady jersey on a dummy. Just eternally Tom Brady. Did you see that yeah, Netflix think, yes. documentary with the quarterbacks? Uh, I mean, I saw that it existed. I didn't watch any of it. Okay, you haven't watched it yet? I, right. I kind of don't want to watch it. I haven't watched it yet, but I kind of don't want to watch it because... I don't think I want to hear or see or listen to Brittany Mahomes. Oh, okay. I'm yeah, just going to like skip those parts. She probably, has a, yeah, she probably has a big role in it. So maybe I'll just skip those parts. Um, I think that would be that would be fair. So, Tony, great second pick there. My third pick, you ready? I am ready. It's a little out of left field, but I think I have to do it just because the pure confusion it would bring to the opposition would be such an advantage for the Bills. I have to do it. 
the cartoon character I want coaching the Bills, Duffman from The Simpsons. Oh, now that brings up a good point because we have mentioned the closest thing we have to real life Duffman and a coach in John Gruden. <laughs> and he was pretty successful. He was pretty successful. He won he a was Super Bowl. Successful. So. Yeah. I just feel like Duffman, first of all, confidence through the roof. Never wavers. Nope. So if the team is down, he, he will have a rousing speech to get them back up because he just exudes so much confidence that you cannot not get behind what he says. Also, he's just so ridiculous. I feel like he'd be just on the sidelines thrusting at the air for like 20 minutes straight <laughs> and the other team would look over and be like, what the hell is going on? It'd and we could take advantage of that situation. Yeah. Yes, it would be a real replacement situation. Yes. Replacements taught us a lot about football strategy. So did Mighty Ducks. Right. Replacements is really just Mighty distracting Ducks confused. for adults. Uh, yeah. Good, yeah, good comparison. <laughs> yeah, that's probably good. So we, yeah. I think we whittled down uh, what it means to be a successful coach. You can either confuse or you can have like actual coaching ability. I think both right. garner equal levels of success. <laughs> confuse and distract or smarts and skills. And nothing in both between. Both work equally as good. <laughs> but Matt, for my final pick, I am going to put something on the in-between. Yeah, I'm going to put another have? trait that we've only somewhat alluded to, and that's innovation. Oh, I like it. And I know who's going to bring, like you said, like with the Sean McVay, who's bringing the innovative techniques, ushering a new era in with um, progressive new ideas. Well, no one is going to confuse and distract and innovate and throw every other team for a loop more like the next head coach of your Buffalo Bills. Do, 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 do. I'm talking about Inspector Gadget, my friend. <laughs> Da, 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 da. Yeah, you know him. Uh huh. Of course. Inspector Gadget will French Stewart his, anal- his analytical mind and will dissect the rules and regulations and norms of this league to find where he can put his own spin on things to exploit the inferior minds, these feeble yes. minds of other teams and coaches. And they will just be embarrassed and they will be subject to a lot of mechanical bullshit coming out of players helmets i feel like we can get away with a lot of a lot of with all his gadgets and technology advancements i feel like we can get away with a lot of not that i approve of this but we can get away with it why not take advantage of it a lot of cheating stuff cameras that's what i'm saying Mm -hmm. signal stealing some lip reading technology of what the coach is saying when he covers his mouth with the play calling machine I feel like Inspector Gadget right. has a lot of this stuff. I think he does. I mean, this is a Spygate 2.0 situation, but this time you'll be able to have the technology to get away with it. Absolutely. I like that idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, Inspector Gadget, great pick. That's all I have. You have any other honorable mentions? I did consider trying to have some members of the Monstars in there. I was thinking a lot along the lines of Space Jam. It's wild. I couldn't think of any time where football was articulated in animation. I was also trying oh, to think a lot about like think. Spider-Man. I'm trying to think. Yeah. yeah. Like a Miles well, Morales for listener, situation. For the listeners, we were obviously not allowed to choose superheroes because that would just be wildly unfair, of course. Right. Well, I mean, they're coaches, not players. Oh, yeah, but like Professor X from X-Men would be just wildly unfair. 
you could put thoughts okay. in yeah. coaches' minds and manipulate things okay. through telekinesis. Uh-huh. Just, just not fair. Just not fair. I was thinking like Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory for the smarts. Mm. I was also trying to think along the lines of um for, of like a Who Framed Roger Rabbit situation, or just like any case. Like I thought, I was like, oh, I know what Matt's gonna overlook. He's gonna overlook <laughs> any cartoon character that was in a real life situation. But I, I couldn't come up with anything. So obviously, it was overlooked by us both. I was also thinking another another classic cartoon character. Just because persistence is the name of the game sometimes. Randy Marsh from South Park. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh huh. He always gets the job done. Yeah, somehow, some way. And, he's, and he certainly would be like, he would not be afraid to follow the analytics. And by that, I mean the gutsier calls because he's got the balls right. to make those calls right. and in the, a wheelbarrow. That's of course, after they've been microwaved. I feel like Randy Marsh would have a very like Rex Ryan. That's why I didn't choose him for my top three you'd have a very Rex yeah. ryan like vibe of just being yep. so set in his ways and everyone has to follow his ways even though they might be old or outdated and he won't adapt he'll just be like no this is the right way this is how it's happening i will do anything to try to make this succeed <laughs> just like he did when he, he grew his ball <laughs> or he coached sarcastical <laughs> or he got into a fight I'm- or he got into a fight with another little league baseball parent in bat day yes he's got the resume is what you're telling he's got persistence i, I will say that i don't know if he, i don't know if the resume he's got a uh george o'leary is that the Notre Dame coach who fudged his resume he's got that kind of resume well that counts for me it counts for a lot of people so listeners that is our draft season one more to go we're gonna go out with the bang next week let us know what you think we'll put it on twitter our choices let us know who you think won. Let us know if we missed any. And Woody Sports 716. Give us a follow on Twitter. Tony, I don't know if we have a lot of bills to talk about, but we're only two weeks away from training camp. We got we got some stuff to discuss as we we ramp up here. Are you uh, ready to send it to Marv and talk some bills? Please send it to Marv. I can't wait to hear this man's Please. sultry voice. Almost as good as Optimus Primes. But Marv, you're up. Take it away. We'll be back after the break. Go, go. Bills fight, bills go. And we are back. Listeners, like I said, we are two weeks away from the start of Bill's training camp at St. John Fisher, which means, of course, the return of hashtag Tony Tweets Camp. Tony, give us an update on your ticket insider network. How how's it going? Have you secured tickets to all the training camp dates at this point in time? Uh, uh no update. I have a bunch of unopened emails that say accept tickets. And I'm afraid to do it. So actually there is an update because uh, so I found so the, the one the first time I tried to share tickets with myself, mm-hmm. uh, the person who shared those tickets with me, I saw at uh, at the wedding that we both attended recently. Yes, you were there. I saw you in real life. That was exciting. That was exciting. Um, and we'll see each other again, again in real life I, in a, a few weeks here. That is true. Yes. We, another IRL <laughs> meetup is is pretty soon at another wedding. My own. Maybe with a third wheel um, and Chad Michael Murray joining us. Uh, well, we'll see what happens. Awesome. He's not going we'll to. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, spoiler. Chad Michael Murray is not in attendance. So the person that I did accept the tickets from is like, so did you get your tickets? And I said, well, I'm having this issue with like an error message that comes up every time. And he goes, and from his perspective, I have accepted the ticket. Like he got the message oh, yeah. that said, I got them. But I did not. Oh, so what I'm, a so conundrum. I'm, I, I'm 
kind of afraid to do another one because it seems like these tickets are just kind of like lost floating out in, in hyperspace cyber world yeah, yeah. They're, just, they're they're out there they're just they're just floating out there so that's where i'm at and at some point i will have the time and energy and it will be a higher priority for me so i will you know try and be a communication with Ticketmaster and with the bills to try and figure this out and that's where i'm at okay well seems like some progress is made seems like some hopeful progress has been made if one side is seen in acceptance I think you just need to take the leap. I think you just need to take the leap and go forward here. Open those emails up. See what happens. Mm, um, but Tony, with training camp right around the corner, things are picking up. Anything you want to talk about, though, before we get into training camp talk? Are, are you setting me up like you? there is something I'm supposed to want to talk about right now? Anything on your mind? Maybe a new Queen Bee, Josh's endeavors. Oh, oh interesting. Josh's ex- um, escapades. Can I, can I tell you my thoughts? Is it that this whole thing of limited two is because there's going to be the biggest star in the history of camp will be at there? Arguably, Elizabeth Hasselbeck is a possibility also. Is that what you're saying? What are we saying here? I'm thinking, obviously, pictures of Josh and Haley Steinfeld. Vacation in Mexico came out this past week. Great. Let the kids live their lives. Let them two wild and crazy kids do their thing. My biggest concern now with anything regarding josh's relationship status josh get out of mexico cartels it's bad what are you doing in mexico you can vacation a lot of places yeah a little risky that's a good point little risky little risky little worried about the decision making there maybe he's a little love struck she wanted to go to mexico he's like yeah why not two months away from the season here we gotta strap down and be a little smarter we can't be vacation in mexico being worth a combined oh gosh $600 $600 million between the two of them. <laughs> did you look up how much Haley Steinfeld is worth? No, I did not. I'm just the, guesstimating. Figures? Oh, okay. I'm just okay. guesstimating. It's a, it's a slightly more than Josh, but I could be very wrong. So you're two very recognizable faces in Mexico. We've recently had American tourists get kidnapped in Mexico. So exactly. you're putting this all together. Wow. I mean, this, well, color me is scared together. to death. <laughs> Just come back home, Josh, where it's safe. Come home. Just come home where it's safe. There are um, there are resorts here. Yes. They'll let Holiday you Valley out is lovely. <laughs> Holiday Valley is lovely. That's all I, I that's all I'm saying. It's a very nice place. You can golf. There's a golf course right there. There's hot tubs on site. It's you can get a nice chateau off site, private. I love a nice chateau. Who doesn't? Love the chateau. My other thing was I watched Josh on the most recent episode of Bussing with the Boys, Will Compton, Taylor Wan. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you saw it, but Josh talked about how he doesn't work out at all in the off season, which I found fascinating because huh. he found when he doesn't work out and he rests his body from the physical toll of the season, yeah, he that's comes what back I was thinking, uh-huh. and his, his tests when he gets to training camp are like better and better every year because he's, he's rested instead oh, of working out. Like, Physic- like even the workout ag- test, like a, like yeah, the combine type test. Oh wow, okay. He says his numbers and his test results are better because he rests so much, and then he just like works himself into shape during training camp, which is an amazing like yo-yo diet four week turnaround of like frumpy Josh to what we know and love of Buffalo Bills Josh, if you will. So I just found it fascinating, and for a guy who is very attuned to 
the physical mechanisms of being an athlete, such as stretching, I thought that would intrigue you of how Josh does not work out, does not do anything seemingly during the off season. It does shock me. Good on Haley Seinfeld also for finding Josh at like this low point of being a physical specimen. Right. Accepting him He's for a who diamond he is. in the rough at that moment in his year. Yeah. <laughs> I have to think that that's not going to hold up. Like Josh is young now, but wouldn't you have to oh, think no, that, that is like, not going to hold up? Yeah, that's not going to hold up. His body will crumble. He needs to. Yeah. He's got he's to gonna have to like, find a more consistent way of going about calf this. raises or something during the day. <laughs> Do something. Yeah. Calf raises. Yes. <laughs> All right. So those are the only two things that happened. Again, slow, slow time of the year slow week slow time of the year until training camp rise tony how excited are you on a scale of one to ten about training camp this year new roster Uh, returning players with micah hyde jordan poyer guys like that some intrigue with von's injury with stefan diggs's off-season noise as deon dawkins put it on coward show this week and now with the added thought of how josh doesn't work out but a lot of new faces, a lot of new weapons. We'll talk about some of the stories we're excited for coming up here in a couple minutes. But how excited are you, scale of 1 to 10, as opposed to previous years? I mean, I'm soured by the attendance question. But I would say, overall, I would say I'm I'm like a 9.6. I'm pretty stoked up this year because I know exactly what I'm looking for. Like, a lot of people go into camp and they're just like, I just want to see the stars on display. I just want to see them perform. Like it's all eyes on Josh. But if you're a camp head like me and you want to see the competitions unfold and you want to see player development happen, I know exactly where I'm looking. Like I'm very excited about the middle linebacker situation. I'm very excited about the wide receiver competition. Really excited to see the offense as it sort of like looks like the ebbs and flows of the offense with the 11 Point five formation and how I can see Kincaid becoming a part of this. And I'm excited to see Kincaid in general. Uh, there's a lot to be excited about this year. A heck of a lot to be excited about this year as far as camps go. Uh, I would say more yeah. so than the past couple of years where we've been a lot more consistent. This is the first year of how the next few years are going to shake out of like, we're making sacrifices and we're going to have to see who steps up and how they step up. And this is the first year of that. And that happens of course, as a result of, Josh's contract becoming more and more bulbous. So now as this team evolves into adapting around quarterback money, now we're starting to see the beginning of that. And uh, I'm excited to see how that plays out because where that, where the results of that play out are on the fields of St. John Fisher. I think I am right with you. I'm excited. It feels like almost like a television show went through its first season and it was kind of finding its footing. And then the second season, it really recognized what it was and really took off with with what happened this offseason with Leslie Frazier's departure, with Sean McDermott taking over the defense, with Ken Dorsey's hopeful evolution in the offense, with the new weapons mm-hmm. he's been given to utilize in that offense. I feel like we're in season two of the TV show. There's some new characters. There's some supporting actors coming into lead roles. There's some new... Like, I just feel like all that has me more intrigued. And I think the off-season drama like, kind of proliferates that a little because I think it just adds to, well, what's the dynamic going to be? We've known this team to be the fun-loving, charismatic, dancing, everybody is buddy-buddy, which is 
probably still the case, most likely still the case. But is the weight of winning a Super Bowl kind of getting to them? Is it mentally Mm -hmm. taxing on them? It's obviously affected Stefan Diggs. We know that. But will it affect other players like Josh Allen, who without really saying it directly, you can kind of feel it through the television screen. Feels like he has the weight of the world on his shoulders at all times. Mm -hmm. I think he thinks that too. So there's so many pieces and so many new things to think about. And that's why I'm, I think, more excited for this camp than I've ever been for any previous camp because it seems like we kind of just rebooted or kind of pivoted in season two here to to some new things, to some fresh ideas. So I'm very excited to see. But Tony, speaking of training camp, like I said, this is the episode of List People. We're going to do our top two storylines we're looking forward to during training camp. Tony, I did the honors for our draft season to open the show. What is the one storyline or idea or scheme or personnel or whatever that you're looking forward to the most when training camp starts in two weeks? Uh, so in the past many training camps, I think there's something that we've that we've found and that we know, Matt. And you might be involved without even knowing it. And that's the scariest part of it. Because what I'm bringing up here is a serious (laughs) concern. No, what I'm seeing is that there is a curse potentially brought upon us by St. John Fisher himself, the departed. And that's the curse of the mats. Every time there's an abundance of mats, something bad happens. Of course, this started in the early 2000s when there was an abundance of floor mats and Kevin Cobb's career was ruined. Mm. We saw the curse of the mats resurrect itself last year when there was an abundance of mats in the special teams room. Matt Hack and the punter that shall not be named. Yes. An abundance of mats, and we all saw what happened there. Now, I'm particularly concerned this camp because there's two mats on this roster, as there have been, and is this like a final destination situation because there's no other mats? Will the curse of the mats come for people that we know and care about in Milano and Barkley. Are they next? Are they next? <laughs> we have to protect them from the curse we of the mats. This is my top priority. We have to protect at least one of them. Camp. Yeah, we have to protect one of the mats, and I know which one I'm choosing. The, the scene is set for one of these mats to have their careers ruined. And that's oh, what I'm boy. looking at in training camp here. Well, now, Tony, if there was any way to kick off this conversation, it's with the fear of a Matt curse and me being named Matt. I don't feel good about that at mm-hmm. all. I don't feel good about it either, now. man. I'm, I, I'm upstairs right now. Should I walk down the stairs? I'm a little afraid. Are you out of your, you out of your damn mind? You're going to walk down the stairs. No, you're attempting fate. I'm tempting fate as right. I think you're My safe. As long, I think you're okay. As long as you're not at St. John Fisher university. I don't know. Now. <laughs> Just don't go on campus or go to sleep. <laughs> don't go on campus or go to sleep during training camp. Can you stay up for three straight oh. weeks? What's the big deal? Whenever there's too many mats, something bad happens. That's all I'm saying. The evidence is there. That's why I'm the only mat in my family. We can't have two mats. You can't have more mats. The more mats, the riskier it is. Yes. I very much like this idea. So much so that I hate it due to the fear and scare <laughs> tactics being utilized here. Yep. But Matt Milano, let's just talk there because we're not going to talk about Matt 
Barkley, I mean, the guy does Bitcoin, Hibachi Grills. That's that's kind of a shtick. We'll leave him in, in that area. We get it. Uh, Matt Milano, all pro season last year. Flash in the pan, fluke? Or do you think now that Tremaine Edmonds is running mate for the past four years is gone, do you think he can take it even to another level? Do you think he can step up and fill that void that some people feel Tremaine Edmonds is leaving? Not I, as a Tremaine okayist. I mean, say like a negative person about Tremaine. I'm, I'm median. Do you think Mamelano <laughs> can step uh-huh. up from a production standpoint, fill in where maybe we're losing something in Tremaine Evans? I think yes. My fear is that just because he can, is, is the hole going to be too big for him to fill? And so really the question is not to me about Mamelano, but is about whoever emerges as the Mike linebacker. Will they be able to take enough off of Matt Milano's shoulders to be able to give him, you know, the room to to do his thing do his and to thing. do his thing yeah. at a comfortable level. That's what it boils down to. And that's what I'll be sort of looking for. That's what that's why this is an important camp, like on the defensive side. Like that's that's where my eyes will be at camp is how is how things are going there and to hope that we're not just running with like the lesser of all evils at yep. Mike Linebacker, but that someone truly comes in and has like a Christian Benford type of camp of like, this is clearly what has to happen because this person is good. Yeah. There always seems to be one player who surprises one rookie that surprises during camp last year was Benford Gabe Davis during his rookie year shocked a lot of people with, with his skill set and how productive he was. And I tell you what, Tony, like, first of all, if Matt Milano fills any holes, that's more holes than Tremaine Edmonds ever filled during his career as a bills. I'm just going to say it. He wasn't good. In- Okay. He wasn't good at mm-hmm. picking the right running lanes and filling holes. Sue me. But on the flip side of that, talking about a rookie who could step up, obviously the Bills drafted last year Terrell Bernard, question mark. Bernard? Uh, this year drafted Dorian Williams, who I've been reading, I've been hearing through Bills media that Dorian Williams coaches really like. He's a really quick learner. I'm kind of starting to... When we had Bruce Nolan on, he said it's Terrell Bernard's job to lose. Still feel like that, but I kind of feel mm-hmm. like Dorian Williams is wearing down the home stretch and he's going to be picking up steam and pulling ahead. I, I, I'm kind of getting on the hype train of Dorian Williams here, Judge Dreads, if you will. I get it because he's got such a great nickname of Judge Dreads. He does, and that needs to be a thing. But yeah, I just from what I'm reading, I, I liked his college game tape. It's just about him and how fast he's going to learn the schemes, learn the system, and use his physical abilities and bring him up to an NFL caliber level. So he can pick it up quickly and execute quickly. I think he's on the fast track to get that starting job. I kind of think so too. I think it's him or Dodson. I think Bernard is kind of a, I don't want to say hopeless lost cause, but I think like, I think we know enough about what we're getting that the deck is sort of stacked against him at this point. That's so that's the problem really, with Terrell Bernard. He offers no yeah. traits that get you excited. A because he yeah, didn't show anything last year. He wasn't on the field enough to really show you anything mm-hmm. to get you excited. But also where he came from, the tape we do have, the games we have seen from his time at Oregon, doesn't really get you that hyped either. And he doesn't have any physical like traits. He's not super big. He's not doesn't seem terribly fast. He doesn't seem instinctual in any way. Like he doesn't have any 
redeeming qualities that like, okay, I can I can see this being a solid linebacker prospect. Where Dorian Williams, I look mm-hmm. at his games and his college highlights and things, and I'm like, yeah, I can see that. The way he like sees ball, gets ball, how instinctual he is, how he uses his speed to his advantage. I like I can see some distinguishable traits that get me excited for that. I can never see that with Bernard because I haven't seen it and I don't think I'll see it in the foreseeable future. Our feelings are similar. Bernard is just, he just kind of looks out of his league. And I think like, I don't know what I'd be looking for going into the camp to look at like, all right, let's see what Terrell Bernard is doing. And it's not like I have a a simple question to be like, all right, so is Bernard going to do this? Is Bernard going to do that? Because I know he's not going to. I know know it's just going to be the hope of like, I guess the question is like, is Bernard going to be just getting pushed around out there? Or is he going to, I guess making big plays consistently is really his only hope. Because I don't think that he's the kind of linebacker who's execute the right play well consistently. But like if Mm -hmm. he shows some wow factor, then maybe he's got a chance. But I feel like Dorian Williams has the potential for wow factor and executing the right plays. Yes. Simply. Like, I think that he's, because correct me if I'm wrong, but his Dorian was more like the the football IQ guy. That's why I'm thinking that. I'm thinking it's yeah. Dodson first, Dorian Williams, Williams second. second. I agree and 100% then with Klein everything is sort you of said. like Yeah, and then Klein is sort of in the mix as... Insurance policy. Yes, as insurance policy, exactly. Yep, I agree completely. Which, mm-hmm. again, I do not see unless there is some crazy... Like happenstance that Terrell Bernard just turns out to oh my gosh be good. You're tempting, <laughs> you're tempting, you're tempting the universe here. We just I, went over curses. Well, his name isn't his name is not Matt. So <laughs> let's look at the history of Bernards. We have Andy Bernard, not a good manager at Dunder Mifflin. Terrell Bernard, not a good linebacker for the Buffalo Bills. History is not on his side. I think Matt Milano is going to do a very good job of filling in where we're losing production for Tremaine Edmonds. I. Like Dodson, I think he is serviceable. His coverage ability, as we saw last year, is extremely lacking. I think that was a lot of factors. I think, A, his skill set, that's not his strong suit. I think he's much more in the box. Uh, I think there was some confusion on the defense side of the ball last year. I think we started getting into that a little more, and maybe that was due to Trey White being out and Micah Hyde being out and some of the injuries that were suffered, Vaughn being out. Started getting into that Rex Ryan era of pre-snap, just everyone seemingly like talking to each other and figuring out two seconds before the ball snap. Okay, you're going to switch. And when they cross, like just the communication seemed off. So I feel like we were getting into that territory more and more towards the end of the year. You could visually see it, like players not knowing the coverage or whatever. So Dodson at least knows the scheme, knows the coverage. Ben and McDermott's quote unquote McDermott system for a couple of years now. That's why I think he he has the fast track to starting, but I'm liking what I read from Dorian Williams. I'm liking what the coach's feedback is about Dorian Williams. And if I trust any coach on this coaching staff, positional wise, it's Bobby Babich. That guy's yeah. a future star. If Bobby Babich likes Dorian Williams, and I like Bobby Babbage. A plus B equals C or whatever. A plus the math B, equation B is. equals C. Yeah. Uh-huh. Bobby Babbage likes Dorian Williams. Therefore, I like Dorian Williams. But linebacker is definitely going to be one of the hot button topics 
on Dos Mafia's mind. It's going to be a very focal point of this training camp because it seems like Bean likes what they have in that linebacker room. Obviously, Milano is great. We know that. But past that, it's a lot of unknowns. And even guys like Terrell Dodson, maybe a consistently solid starter. AJ Klein, if he is vaulted into a starting role, can he be consistently reliable? Like, there's just a lot of questions, even with the veterans, let alone the guys we haven't even really seen yet in Williams and Bernard. So, definitely linebacker is a story a lot of people are going to be looking at at training camp. So, my top story, I'm going to flip it to the offensive side of the ball. Actually, both my picks are on the offensive side of the ball, but I am super intrigued to see how they are going to use not Dawson Knox separately, not Dalton Kincaid separately, how they're going to package them together and use them on the field together. The Bills last year were one of the lowest percentage-wise in teams running 12 personnel, two tight end sets, two tight end sets on 3% of their plays last year, one of the lowest in the league, if not the lowest. So now with the Dalton Kincaid in the mix, does that allow Dorsey to be Swiss Army knife with this offense. We saw Dawson Knox last year because kind of he was the only tight end in the tight end room. Tommy Sweeney got released. Quinn Morris was the primary backup as a rookie. They didn't really use him a lot. He didn't get a high percentage of the snaps. So Dawson Knox was really the only tight end. And Dorsey, we saw a lot of times used him in line, used him as a blocking tight end, primarily a blocking tight end. When Dawson Knox Prior to that, we've been presented to a Dawson Knox, who's a a great pass-catching tight end who can create mismatches on the defense. So to have him be primarily a blocker was a little infuriating, a little frustrating, a little confusing last year watching that. Now with Dalton Cade in the mix, I feel like we we can shuffle some things around. Yeah, Dawson Knox will probably be, out of those two, the primary blocker. And Kincaid will be kind of your versatile, big slot, outside threat mismatch guy but they can interchange those and they can use those two together in some creative ways and i'm very intrigued to see how ken dorsey utilizes these weapons because that's the flip side of this the flip side of this is he has the weapons can he use them i thought last year they had a mindset of going to get certain specific type of guys the jd mckissicks of the world because dorsey had this vision for his offense, they traded for Naheem Hines, same similar type of player, kind of a screen pass, scat back kind of player with the hope that Dorsey can utilize these guys to their full potential. Like he he sought a specific type of player, it seemed like, yet didn't seem to know how to use him. The pieces are there. The mismatches are there. The skill sets are there. Can Dorsey utilize him? I'm very intrigued to see how this tight end room looks on the field and throw Quentin Morris in there. I thought Quentin Morris for his limited time is show showed really well. I thought his route running was great. He can kind of be a pseudo fullback and place a Gilliam if Gilliam ever goes down. So two tight ends on the field at the same time. I'm very intrigued to see how that all plays out. Me too. Just like I said, the ebbs and flows, like what is it really going to look like in this 11 and a half offense that, or, or will it look like anything? Is it going to be anything? And, and that's interesting. And I think it will be. The thing that I'm holding on to hope for in this regard is that we've said many times or kind of speculated that, like, Ken Dorsey's mind is on his Miami offense, where mm. he was the leader of all these other freak great athletes that were surrounding him. 
And that includes Kellen Wenzel and Jeremy Shockey. So it's like with that double tight end dynamic, is that going to kind of open up some ideas for him to bring back from 23 years ago? Which makes it sound like this is an exercise in futility and stupid. But I'm curious to see how this is going to look. And it's especially because I think, without knowing that much, but I think I really like Dalton Kincaid. So I'm really excited to see how that changes the offense in terms of everything that you were talking about, what he can kind of ha- can kind of open up opportunities for in this offense between his freak athleticism, his amazing hands, his million-dollar smile, his boyish innocence. I like the number 86 for some reason. Maybe it's the year I was born, I guess. Maybe that's subliminally it. But I think there's a lot to like with Dalton Caden with what we've got going on. And I also think that it's good. To, you know, you don't want us to be just like continually trying to be like we were a couple of years ago in terms of like what we know is like, let's have a Beasley type player. We need to get Gabe into the number four wide receiver spot and he can do his thing there. We need to have like a, some solid veteran on the other outside as number two. And then like, it'll all come together. That's already outdated in the evolution of this league. We need to keep reinventing ourselves. And maybe this is that inspector gadget innovation that's going to yield some, some really great results. Um, I think that's kind of the hope and it takes a player like Kincaid to do that. So we'll see. I think there's reason for hope with that. And uh, that's why it's exciting going into camp uh, in this situation that we have. And I do think that Morris, you know, has a place on this team. I would love him as, as tight end three. I think so too. Obviously, I think so too. Yeah, well, like, we don't really have like a Lee Smith kind of guy coming in. I don't think um, right. or already here. So Let's have this uh, offensive freak athletes and wow everybody. You know, I don't. I didn't like Lee Smith at all. <laughs> like, I think we the, didn't like and, him because we didn't like him the first time. Yeah, <laughs> like when he and then, caught that touchdown and fell into the abyss of Bills Mafia when he jumped into the stands. I was kind of hoping he didn't get back up. <laughs> like, like it was literally wow. an abyss and he just fell down, never to be seen again. I I didn't like the idea of Lee Smith, and that's why I'm glad we don't have a Lee Smith type on this team who is singularly a blocker. Like, that's his only skill set. I don't like guys who silo themselves and have one thing, and I'm talking about like an offensive weapon at this point, an offensive weapon who has like one thing they do. Give me a guy who's good at blocking and good at catching. We've evolved as a human race. (laughs) We've evolved as yeah. athletes to a point where we can be good at many different things. Yeah. You know, yes. Types yeah. Don't, don't need to be on this team. That's, that, that's fine. That's fair. I think that they uh, have a place, but I also think that it, I think it's a big time luxury and you only do it if you're going to make your run game the feature and clearly the, our run game is not our feature and we should not be trying to make it. it that. Because when Lee Smith right. was out there, right. you're like, well, they're running the ball 90% of right. the time. And teams know that right. I don't. I don't like being so calculated like that. It drives me nuts. Right. It's funny you mentioned Dalton Kincaid's boyish charm <laughs> because, like, literally, if you Google search Dalton Kincaid, because I was doing my notes for the episode, if you Google search Dalton Kincaid, the first picture that pops up, it looks like he just listened to like an acoustic set by Scott Staff of Creed. Like, it's just like this, like very like serious look it looks like a 4k camera where she's like his face is in focus and kind of the rest of him's blurry it's very funny to me so what you said boyish charm like oh yeah that picture i saw when i google search boyish innocence yes his boyish innocence yes 
So very intrigued to see how these two tight ends, three tight ends, if you will, are, are going to be used by Ken Dorsey. Tony, your second story you're looking forward to come the start of training camp. Well, the second story I'm looking forward to is not even about our training camp exactly, but basically this, this story that I'm looking forward to comes from the stories that were coming around that aren't even real stories, but are just kind of good clickbait for social media that came around today on the statements surrounding one DeAndre Hopkins. And I feel like it kind of reignited of me Andre. a little bit of Hopkins yep. watch. Yes, of Andre Hopkins. And it, it reignited me a little bit of, of, of Andre watch. Whereas now that training camp is starting, the offer we know is on the table and it is not good, but it is an offer that exists for a ring chase, as the writer of the article put it, if it was even an article, the writer of the statement, the stater of the statement put it. If that's kind of what it is and he hasn't signed anywhere yet and he's not interested in, or I shouldn't say not interested, but he's covering break, covering his Mm -hmm. breaks with the Patriots and with uh, some other teams. What I'm really looking for is the injury report of other training camps. Because I feel like that is what will ultimately sort of determine where the next big offers are coming from. And if they're a little yes. bit more appealing Looking to DeAndre it. Hopkins and or even to Delvin Cook. Less so Delvin Cook because there's already a lot of expensive running backs on the free agency market. But I feel like they're now the way that it's sort of shaking out is that it's almost like there's an abundance of talent out there that no one really wants to pay for. Mm-hmm. very similar to the late stage capitalism that we're living in. And the <laughs> next sort of uh, the next sort of phase of free agency is going to come in the form of training camp injury necessity. And now all of a sudden, like this big injury happened. So well, we got to get DeAndre Hopkins in here. So we're just going to back up the Brinks truck for DeAndre Hopkins because we're in win now mode and we have the money to pay and we got to figure this thing out. So I'm, that's kind of where I'm looking at to be the source of my Hopkins watch and our, and our own injury too. our own injuries. I tell you what, with as tight as we are on the cap, if we take an injury, we're not good enough to, it's going to get interesting. But, if but certain, how many teams are, yeah, I guess you're right. That's I guess I'm thing. just if, thinking about your star players goes down. Usually teams yeah. aren't good enough to, kind I of guess in, fill this, that void. in this respect, in this respect, I guess I'm basically only thinking about wide receiver. Yeah. Cause I like saying, yeah, I don't think we're in play, honestly. First of all, when you look at everything that's transpired up until this point about DeAndre Hopkins like wanting a ring and all, like, and then he visits the Titans and the Patriots and like teams that are feel like they're not even close to winning a Super Bowl anytime soon. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. okay, and th- this makes sense. He's just looking for the bag. He's trying to get the money. Yeah, my go-to source is always Vegas. I think. The people who make the Vegas sports books are the smartest people in the world when they can predict a total NBA score and it's literally like one and a half points off. The algorithms and the data and the information they use at Vegas sports books is incredibly accurate and predictive. And like it's it's amazing. I wish I knew more about it so I could actually win money gambling, but it's amazing to me how they get so close with the stuff with odds and whatever. When you looked at the odds today, which I, I happened to, uh, because I figured we'd talk about DeAndre Hopkins, uh, the Titans are now the favorite to land DeAndre Hopkins. The Bills are not even in the top three anymore, which is surprising because a mm-hmm. lot of media reports, as you just mentioned, are starting to ramp up again of 
the Bills being back in play or they have an offer out there. It's not the money Hopkins is looking for, but it's what the Bills are willing to do. And if he wants to win a ring, this is his best chance. And But the thing that worries me, Tony, and I would just kind of like keel over and in, in sadness if this happens, Titans are favored. The next is the Patriots at plus 150, the third highest odds or lowest odds, I don't know, to, to land DeAndre Hopkins are the Chiefs. If the Chiefs land DeAndre Hopkins yep. and he's as good as many think he is or has shown in the past, he can become that again. The Chiefs land that guy, I am going to just punch a hole through the wall so hard. <laughs> that would be so frustrating. And it's like, the Chiefs kind of can do it, and I think they have high odds because they're still restructuring Chris Jones, which could free up a lot of money to land a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. So mm-hmm. I, I always say, and you know this, it's like my biggest worry when it comes to the dynamic between the Bills and the Chiefs is, yes, the Bills are better, very much <laughs> a better team than the Bills or the Dragers. There's no question about that. Like That's not even a discussion. Right. But throughout the drought years, it was always, we just can't beat the Patriots. We can, not only do we not have the talent to do it, but just whatever fluky thing comes about during the game and whatever, like it's just never going to happen in big moments. Like, and for the drought team, the big moment was every time we played the Patriots for this iteration of the Bills, the big moment is usually the playoffs against the Chiefs. Just seems like we can never get over that hump, and that hump is the Chiefs as it was the Patriots back then. So I would just be more into that mentality of like, man, they just landed DeAndre Hopkins. Like, we're never gonna beat this team when it comes to these big moments. Like, I don't know. It would it would just drive me nuts if the Chiefs happened to land Hopkins. Well, I share your sentiment big time. It is one great fear that I do have. And it just makes me think, like, exact kind of like you were saying, like, where the hell are they getting all this money from that they can right. still grab a free agent like DeAndre Hopkins, you know, an established amount of money like that it would take to do this. It would just it would just irk me so much. They're like, how have they possibly done this? And I know that, you know, it has to do with some restructuring. And that's kind of I was hoping that this would that something really fun and exciting would happen after Ed Oliver's uh, restructuring, which I guess it did. Um, but mm-hmm. it wasn't who it wasn't who we were hoping or who we we're talking about. It was not right, DeAndre right. Hopkins. So we'll see. I guess. We'll see. But that's kind of what I'm looking we'll for. Is I'm still going to be on free agent watch, and I'm going to be using the injury reports as as a gauge for that. Not even only for DeAndre Hopkins. Just that's what I think makes the league interesting at this point in the off season, where I could just be looking at the Bills, but the league in general, there's still a lot of chips to fall where they may. Yeah. I think uh, so it's going to be fun. It's going to be I, a lot of fun, man. It, it's going to be fun. Injuries aren't fun, but they could, no, you could injuries spin aren't it to fun. be fun. No, no. Yeah. Well, you know what? You know what prevents injuries? Right. They're human beings. Good stretching. Good stretching and hydration. That is true. Very important. They better bring that during camp. camp as well. Listeners, if you are going to training camp, if you are one of the lucky few to get tickets and are not selling them and are going, pay attention to the stretching. This is very important. Tony, my second... And final story, I'm sticking with the offensive side of the ball. And I feel like, as I just mentioned, the Patriots, I'm going to mention them again because I'm kind of getting a Patriots vibe now of an, of us wanting to be the Patriots with this next story I'm looking at. And that is, can James Cook be an RB1? 
And I mentioned the Patriots because during the Brady years, it was always superstar quarterback, two tight ends in Gronk and Hernandez, and then just a smorgasbord of running backs. It didn't matter who you plugged and played, and nobody really took the lead back role. Nobody really took away Brady's productivity. They just had a bunch of random guys back there, and that's kind of what the Bills' offense is starting to feel like. Josh Allen, Tom Brady, Stefan Diggs, Randy Moss, Kincaid Knox, Hernandez, Gronk, and then maybe not Hernandez. James. Well, I mean, bad person when he before we knew who he actually was. Good uh, player. Uh, 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 the backtracking, Matt. The backtracking is just. <laughs> I'm talking specifically about the player. The person is no bueno. Okay. But then just kind of a, like I said, just a random assortment of running backs. So mm-hmm. is the Bills offense shaping up to be very similar to that Patriots offense when they experience so much success? Therefore, are they going to give James Cook primary running back duties? They brought in Damian Harris. They brought in Latavius Murray. They have Naheem Hines in the mix, who's, yes, our primary special teams kick returner, punt returner, but we have seen in his Indianapolis days can be a vital weapon when used correctly in the offense. So will it just kind of be ride the hot hand as it was for the Patriots all those years uh, with Naheem Hines being in the James White reliable guy you can kind of turn to screen pass catches 30 plus balls a year, whatever. Um, So I'm, I'm really intrigued to see if James Cook is the guy. The guy they give 70% of the carries to with Damian Harris, kind of just supplementing that with his role as as a goal line back. Because what we see with them bringing in Harris and Murray is, I think, a new emphasis on something that was very much a weakness last year, and that's red zone efficiency. Damian Harris and Latavius Murray are two of the best running backs in the league at scoring touchdowns in the red zone while running the ball. So are we taking some of the pressure off Josh? Are we improving our red zone percentage and efficiency with those signings? Is James Cook have any role in this, or is he just going to be a between-the-20s kind of guy? I, I'm I'm very intrigued to see if James Cook is the man, quote-unquote, or if they have a running back by committee, a la the Patriots in their heyday. I think that it is going to be hot hand, and I think that the hot hand will change over the course of the year. And I do think that it all comes down to how James Cook performs. So I think one of two things is going to happen. Either James Cook will be forced into being RB1 because he was a high draft pick and they believe in him and they want to believe in him. And then it will kind of evolve away from that and sort of become Damian Harris. Or it'll be James Cook is deemed as not really ready yet, but we're also deemed as having some flexibility in the room. So it's going to be... Damian Harris more so early on. And then by year's end, we'll be like, oh, it really is James Cook, which is kind of what happened last year. That's what makes you think that the former is more likely to happen. I, th- I think we're going in here and it's James Cook's not even jobs to lose because I don't, I don't even think he can lose it because I think that he's viewed as the plan at running back, regardless of what happens. And then if he doesn't perform over the course of the year, the coaches will swallow their pride and he will have less and less touches. So he better it look good. seems like he better look good. And when he did get significant carries last year, for the most part, he did look good. Yes, he fumbled yeah. literally his first NFL carry, but it was all up from there. 
We know that. <laughs> um, yeah, I about that. He was eligible. Yeah, I'm sure he did too. <laughs> I'm sure he wants to forget about that. If he was eligible, uh, him and Brees Hall would have the highest yards per carry of any running back in the league at 5.7 yards per carry. So it does seem like that's a guy ready to be the workhorse to to take on a majority of the snaps. If you can get that kind of production mm-hmm. with more attempts, that's just going to take the pressure off Josh Allen in the passing game. And it's also going to help the passing game too, because now teams have to account plan and account for an actual running game that the Bills have, which has not been the case in years past. So um, I'm very intrigued to see how James Cook handles this training camp, how the coaching staff handles James Cook handling this training camp um, and what role they put him in. James Cook is talking as if he's RB1, which is a great attitude to have. Still hasn't smiled. Going on year two now. Good, he's angry. We, I want him angry. smile. The only time I've seen James smile, not in game, after they win or something. Obviously, people are smiling and happy after they win a game. But off the field, during interviews or media segments or things this, the social team does with the Bills, is when... They had the rookies eating chicken wings. That is the only time I've ever seen James Cook smile off the field. So it's the power of the chicken wing. Just give that man some chicken wings before the game. And it's like it's like his Popeye spinach, I think. If we want to bring this full circle. <laughs> we do. And you're really inspiring me on next week's song parody. Because uh, it will good. allude to uh, Just Friends, a very underrated movie that has not aged well at all. But Really? Underrated, yeah, you'd be sh- yeah, you'd be surprised at how much it has not aged well. I have to it's watch like, it because I loved that movie when it came out. I thought it was great. I know, so so did I, so did I. I was like, this movie is a diamond in the rough. This movie is hilarious. Yeah, it is. Uh, it does not hold up. Oh no, that that's a shame. You know what movie does not hold up? I tried to watch it recently. Second and... string. <laughs> no, that always holds up. That's a great yeah. one of the greatest movies ever. Bills won the Super Bowl. How could you not love that movie? This is a movie I loved growing up. I thought it was the funniest, one of the funnier movies I've seen. And I watched it recently, and I thought it was one of the dumbest things I've ever watched. Maybe I'm just senile with my age. But uh, Napoleon Dynamite is awful. Yes. It is dumb as dumb could be. It is not even funny in like an odd way. That that is a movie that does not hold up. That, I wonder if you just had to be like the right age. Because I feel like if I I watched Napoleon Dynamite with my parents... I, they would have been like, what the hell is this? Yeah, like None this of this stupidest is... stupidest crap I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. They'd be like, what, how... Like, there would be so many questions about <laughs> how nonsensical everything is. So I wonder right. if... Has the movie changed or have we? The ever <laughs> Probably both. Question. Probably both. That is yeah. the everlasting question. The million-dollar question. Tony, uh, there's a lot of questions going into training camp. Hopefully, all will be answered come kickoff in 60 two days i want to say monday night against the new york jets that's all i have regarding training camp we'll talk more training camp next week so i don't want to get too involved in in this talk but those are a couple storylines listeners that we are looking forward to uh we'll put a clip on twitter let us know what storyline intrigues you most player intrigues you most who you're most looking forward to seeing out there at st john fisher tony what do you say we wrap this thing up though i would say i'm ready to wrap it up Let's wrap it up. Uh, Quick word from our sponsor. We'll be back after the break. That sound you hear? 
That's the sound of opening up a refreshing cold one on a hot summer day. And you know what's keeping my drink cold, listeners? A quality koozie from Traveling Growler. Follow them on Instagram and check out www.travelinggrowler.com for all their cool designs. Keep the chill in your fill and travel in style with Traveling Growler. Now back to the And show. we are back, listeners. We deemed it last episode the summer of shunning, and we're going to roll right along with that. Our first shun of the summer happens this episode tony before we say our goodbyes before we hit our outro what is something doesn't have to be in the sports world it could very well be but what is one thing person player idea whatever what are you shunning to kick off this summer matt of shunning i'm shunning the stinkiest thing and the most frustrating thing and the most questioning thing i have going on in my life during summer now, you know, what do I have going on in my life during summer being a teacher? It's my own house. I'm shunning my yeah. basement. I Your cannot get, yes, yeah, my recording studio. I mean, I'm in here now, I guess, technically, but I <laughs> cannot get this weird smell under control. Oh. And uh, I'm worried about it. I'm worried Where's that it I'm coming from toxins. That's, that's the thing. Yeah. That's what I can't figure out. Is it the air quality? I ordered a, it's funny you mentioned, because I'm thinking that too. And so I ordered, uh, I ordered an air quality monitor, and all readings are normal down here in terms of that. Mm. So it's something else going on. Uh, but I don't know. Like, every time we go down here, I'm just like, this musty smell. I, I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want this to be a part of summer. No. So I'm shunning my basement. Awful. I'm not hanging out down here. I don't think it sounds like the basement's shunning you. <laughs> trying to well, kick yes. you out of there. The basement hates the show and is just so sick <laughs> yes. of it. so sick of a. Uh, what did I solicit you down here on a weekly basis? It just exudes this smell and it's shunning you out of the basement. Um, yeah. I feel like I'm immune to like musty or those kind of smells due to living in Buffalo because whenever I go to the city, it smells like rotten eggs or Cheerios, depending on what time of day you go. But once I hit that rotten right. egg smell, that sewery kind of musty, gross smell, I don't know. I just feel like I'm kind of immune to it because <laughs> I've lived here all my life. So. So your initial, your first shun of the summer is going to the place that you reside above every single day of your life. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, it's just the basement is persona non grata. It's basement non grata for the summer. I just don't want to deal with this issue. So I'm just going to not come down little, here little and not quick deal tip, with it anymore. A little Bob Vila-esque tip here. Do you have All a right. dehumidifier down there? I have two. Oh, no. <laughs> that is the most dehumidified basement in the world. Oh, maybe, I guess. I'm surprised you I'm surprised you can barely breathe how dry that air is. <laughs> it doesn't. I wish I could get a dryer. These dehumidifiers don't <laughs> go under 30. I would love I want them to. I also have an I'll air purifier going at its highest speed. Oh my gosh. You got your basement's its own inspector gadget. It's got so many things running. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of electricity coming coming into my basement right now. <laughs> it floods here. Let's hope it doesn't flood. Um way to kick off the summer of shunning. Uh, Tony, I'm shunning a specific athlete who I think has gotten way too much hype, way too much notoriety, way too quickly. And I'm shunning number one NBA draft pick and thinnest man in the world, Victor Wimbenyama. Yeah, I, I, uh, this is a good shun. There's, there's nothing I like about this man. I don't think he looks interested in being a number one pick and taking the NBA by storm. It looks like he is. Remember that old like meme 
of Slender Man. <laughs> like that was a thing with the kids Ooh. back in the day. He looks like Slender Man. <laughs> like literally, just this gangly, tall, thin looking thing. It it's almost it's almost creepy. And then of course, this week NBA Summer League started. He plays two games and they shut him down for the rest of the summer league. Don't even get him acclimated to the NBA or the USA or any like where you're done. You scored a basket, you're done, which I, I don't like. I, I think these players need to ramp up a little. And But the big story with Victor Wembanyama was his altercation with Britney Spears. Uh, I'm not familiar with this, Matt. Please educate me. Of course, the NBA Summer League is happening in Vegas where I think Britney Spears oh, does okay. a residency at one of the hotels in Vegas. Anyway, Britney Spears, for some reason, I don't know why, because she might be a little cuckoo, like runs up behind as Victor Wembanyama is walking away from her. And he doesn't even notice she's there. And I doubt he knows who she even is, 19 mm-hmm. years old in French. She taps him on the shoulder, which results in Victor Wembanyama's security guard, like, kind of like backfisting Britney Spears in the face. Okay. So it was a whole thing. Not, you can't do that to Britney. No, you can't. You shouldn't do it to anyone. I mean, it's not a threat. Yeah, I know. Thing. But she like, just, she just, I think she was just probably saying hi to a very tall human being who she probably correctly guessed was a basketball player. A, why does Britney Spears want to meet Victor Wembanyama? I don't know. B, why is the security guard feeling like she's a threat? I don't know either. But did lead to very funny things because Victor Wembanyama in his first summer league game, as I said, he played two and got shut down by the team. But um, his first summer league game, he went like two for 13 from the field and he got dunked on, like posterized dunked on. And a lot of Britney Spears memes came out like it's Britney bitch kind of memes. <laughs> like, right. So it was a it was kind of a very funny interaction in the end. Um, I don't know. I'm not buying the hype of. Victor Wembanyama being the new big NBA Basically. superstar. It's skinny Dirk Nowitzki, and he's not as good. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not seeing it. I think he's going to be more like a. It's going to fizzle out and be like more like of a Yao Ming thing. But I'm shunning Victor Wembanyama. First of all, Britney Spears. That's our childhood. Boy bands of Britney Spears, like TRL. We grew up with that. You, you don't backfist Britney. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, can't do that the vibes aren't good with this guy and listeners know you know tony i'm a big vibes guy so i am shunning victor webbamiana for being weird and awkward and maybe the human version of slender man that is my first shun of the summer (laughs) uh tony what do you uh, say we wrap this we wrap this episode up though sure i'm done thank you to our sponsor of course traveling growler www.travelinggrowler.com Quality koozie starting at just $5. Shop local, support local, travelinggrowler.com. Check them out. Great products. The podcast store, teespring.com. Search Witty Not Funny. You can go to Google, search Teespring Witty Not Funny, all one word. Hit the first result that comes up on your Google search. While you're at it, look at some uh, boyish innocence of Dalton Kincaid. But then go back to the podcast store and support the podcast because we have some awesome t-shirt designs, clothing designs, crewnecks, tanks, hoodies, t-shirts, long sleeves. We got it all, all sizes, all colors, all original designs. Awesome and fairly cheap, much cheaper than a lot of stuff out there. So check out the podcast store, support the podcast today, T-E-E spring 
com. Search Way Not Funny. Uh, where to find the podcast? You can find the podcast dropping every Sunday on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your fine podcast for free. Search Built in Buffalo. Search Way Not Funny. If you like us, subscribe, leave us a review. We always like to say whether you give us two minutes or two hours of your time, we greatly appreciate that. And we do 132 episodes in to this show. If you're a first time listener or a long time listener, thank you for tuning in. Twitter handles, Tony, where can the listeners find you as the hashtag Tony tweets camp is generating steam is going to start getting going here. They're going to want to follow you. Where can they follow you? Sure. You can follow me at Tony Ambrose. Tony Ambrose, hashtag Tony Tweets yeah. Camp. When camp starts, I think maybe during Tony during camp, I might, has all I might the go public news. during camp. Please do. We we love to yeah. see your thoughts. Great. We need to know well, if maybe the, the we'll mat curse is in effect. The curse of the mats. I mean, the curse of the mats is a concern for sure, it and it is much, real. It's very much a concern. Very real. Very real, and very much a concern. So make sure you're following Tony for all his hot camp tweets. And follow the podcast at Woody Sports 716, at Woody Sports 716, Twitter, Instagram, Woody Not Funny Sports, Facebook, TikTok. Give us a follow. We love following back. Love connecting. Bill's Mafia, Saber Sports people, Buffalo Sports community out there. So check us out. Hit that follow button. Uh, Tony, send off for the listeners. Bring it home. Ooh. Go Bisons, I guess. I don't know. I don't have a send off. Fuck send off. Sure. I'm done with, I'm shunning I'm shunning send offs. Oh no. Send offs are over. Shun send offs. Fine. We'll just do the send off as we always say. It's, it's your Stay send-off. witty out there, everyone. Thanks for listening. Peace. Go Bills. Bye. Bye. Later. Marshawn is a fresher breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love each and most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? That's a little swollen. It kind of looks like a football, actually. Thank you for that. Stitching you guys. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, Stay focused. Um, Work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It builds a bomb. It builds a bomb. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network.